Welcome to Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed, your journey into discovering the amazing people and wonderful happenings in and around the Cothet region. Since her days as Powell River's first youth ambassador in 1994, Erin has continuously been involved in our community. Her love of the Cothet region and her understanding of the importance of connecting to the people living around you inspired this podcast. Coastal Currents is a no-holds-barred look at what's happening in our neighborhoods. But more importantly, it's about the people who live, work, and play here. Insightful interviews, frank conversations, and often hilarious discussions of issues, ideas, and people that matter to you. This is Coastal Currents. Here's Aaron. Welcome to Coastal Currents. I'm your host, Aaron Reed. In this episode, my guest is the wonderful Isabel Southcott. Isabel is the founder, publisher, and editor of Cothet Living Magazine. We discuss growing up in Nova Scotia, working in the news, moving to BC, women in business, Toastmasters, and going to the dogs. Join me in my conversation with Isabel Southcott. Welcome to the podcast, Isabel. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. So I wanted to get right in. I know you weren't into this or that. So let's just get right into the interview. Sure. I'd like to talk about Isabel. You grew up in Nova Scotia, that's correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. What was it like growing up in Nova Scotia? On the other coast. Yeah. Uh, the East Coast. It was wonderful. I had an amazing childhood. I was a horse crazy kid. I um, had horses. I had a horse, not multiple at one time, but one at time. And I rode English and I showed hunters. And uh, yeah, I spent a lot of my youth around horses and horse shows. That was my passion. And I've always been an animal crazy person. And I enjoyed writing. So that was kind of animals and writing. At one point, I thought it was going to be a vet, but um, I volunteered at a vet hospital for a while when I was 14 years old and seeing all that happened there. And I um, actually passed out. I was holding an IV for a dog that had been in a car accident, just holding it still. And then the next thing I knew, I was uh, waking up. I was on the cement floor over in the corner. They had pulled me another way because I just passed out. And so early on, I decided, well, I don't think uh, being a veterinarian is my calling. Fair enough. I actually had a similar experience. I worked for John Hall at the Power River Vet Clinic here in town, and he was doing a surgery, and I woke up on the floor holding the sterilized instruments up in the air, <laughs> so I didn't get them dirty, but same experience. So you can relate, totally. I can totally relate to you on that one. Yeah. Your love of writing started early on then. It did. I, I've written, I mean, I can remember since about grade two or grade three, my mom used to uh, save my poems and stories and so on. And she still has a, a file of them that actually she gave, well, they were in her apartment when we cleaned it out when she went into long-term care. So one of them was her favorite poem that I gave her for Mother's Day in grade two, and it was called My Puppy and I. And it was about a little poem about me and my dog. Aw. Yeah. What kind of dog was it at the time? We had a Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever, which is what I uh, have two of them now. And uh, yeah, that's what I grew up with. We had two Nova Scotia duck tollers when I was a child growing up in Halifax over the years. And uh, then uh, that's what I ended up getting for my own children when my kids were, I don't know, six and eight. When we were out here, I got uh, one from Vancouver Island. That was my oldest son's dog. Aw. Yeah. So what was it that brought you to the West Coast? Well, it's a, it's a long story. So I worked for daily newspapers back east, and, and then I just kind of wanted a whole total change of life. And so I went traveling and uh, was gone for a couple of years. And when I 
came back to Nova Scotia. It was in the early 90s. Well, the economy had totally tanked mm. and there were no jobs. My sister was uh, living in Vancouver and she said, well, come out west. She said, the economy is still pretty good out here and you can get work out here. So I ended up in Vancouver sleeping on her couch and, you know, looking through the Vancouver Sun newspaper, which was what you did back in the, I was like 1993. And um, there was a job uh, advertised in Powell River and there was a job advertised in Hope and they were looking for reporters and so I applied for both of them and I was you know, offered both of them and then it was just basically a, the flip of a coin which is why I ended up in Powell River. Really? Working for the old Powell River News. Wow. Yeah. So how many years were you at the Powell River News? I was at the Powell River News from 1993 until 1995 when Joyce started The Peak. Okay. And then I was at the peak for 10 years after that. And then there was a new adventure that started. And then there was a new adventure, yeah. What was it that compelled you to start the magazine? I wanted something different. There were lots of things about working in community media that I didn't like working for the newspaper. I mean, part of it was because it was it was a part of a big chain. It was owned by Glacier, and that was not what I wanted, and that was out of my, my stories and the type of stories I wanted to do. And the only way that I could see change is to do something different and on my own. It was sort of, you know, I was in my 40s. It was a time for, you know, growth. And so I was um, had picked up a magazine on Vancouver Island called In Focus. It was in Comox, Courtney area. And I liked it. It was kind of a broadsheet like uh, Cathet Living is. And uh, this is really interesting. This is what I'd, I'd like to do. And then, you know, and I had, it was actually just after a, um, oh, a really terrible car accident in the community that had just really rocked this whole community. And it was at that point, I thought, you know what, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. And so that was kind of the, the catalyst for saying, okay, I'm done. You know, let's do something different and do it on my own. And I knew that the community could not support another weekly newspaper. It just wasn't big enough, but I figured it could support a monthly magazine. So that was what it was. So I said, okay, well, let's do this. Wow. I mean, that's incredible to come up with a change when you're in your 40s like that. It can go with one of two ways, right? You either get stuck in, in the grind and you stay that way because you're afraid to start something new, or you go in your direction and you just say, to heck with it. I'm not happy. I want to just start something new. Yeah. And it's, you just had an anniversary so it's been how many years it, we are now 16 years last year was our 15th yeah wow. yeah so we started uh, launch pal river living in 2006 in the basement of the house that i'm living in now in cranberry and then uh, two months later three months later um, my husband and i split up and uh, i became a single mom in this uh, magazine it was like okay it absolutely has to work there's wow. no no way out no way back it kind of burned all my bridges then it's like there was no other support. It I had to make it work. So and I you did. did. Yeah. <laughs> it's kinda of like, yeah, your back is up against the wall. That's kind of when you're compelled to really go forward. Well, yeah. congratulations on that. Thank that's, you. That's amazing, honestly. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's also been a really, it's been a fun, interesting journey, uh, like you're doing with your podcasts. I mean, the people that you meet, it's just mind blowing. And it, it does, it opens doors. You can call somebody up to interview them and say, somebody you don't know, and you can ask them all kinds of questions where how else are you ever going to get that opportunity? Right. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Single parenting. Mm -hmm. How were your biggest challenges as a single parent? My kids were seven and nine. And the magazine was operating out of the basement of the house that I was renting on Manitoba Avenue. So that's the basement was the business and we were on the 
main floor. And we had a dog and my the two boys and uh, it was coordinating everything. I just I was on the go all the time. I was just felt like I was going flat out. I was really lucky, Aaron. I have a, a super family. They don't live in town. But you know, when I was really struggling, I was upset, I could call my sister. I could cry. She would listen to me. I have a brother. I and uh, my mom was really great. I, I'm lucky. I have a family. So you really need support. And if you can't get it uh, logistically, if they can't help you, even if you have that emotional support, and I did have that, and I had some great friends. So yeah, it's it's hard, tough being a single mom. But uh, and you depend on your network of of besties. Yeah, I don't think people put enough credit into the work and the the sacrifice that single moms put in to make life good for their kids and like your kids are lucky to have a mom that's so driven and and willing to make those sacrifices to give a good life for them at the time the kids i mean the kids don't see it but now that my kids are young adults they absolutely do and they go you know you know and they say how much they love me and i am just blessed that i've got two boys who aren't scared to give me a hug and a kiss in public and say hey i love you mom and yeah so it's, it's it's beautiful it's all worth it. So your family's all here on the West Coast too, even though everybody was in Nova Scotia. How yeah. Did, how did that come about? Well, it's actually kind of interesting. So we, my parents are English. They emigrated to Canada when they were just, when they got married. And um, then uh, my parents split when, I guess they were, my dad was, I don't know, almost 60-ish. And he moved to Vancouver Island and accepted a job as a medical director of a hospital over there. And uh, so he was there, and my sister had been living in Edmonton. She separated from her husband, moved to Vancouver. My brother graduated from university in England. He moved to Vancouver. So my mom and I were the only two left in Nova Scotia at that point. And when the economy tanked, I ended up on the West Coast. Well, then when I started having children, Grandma's not going to stay back east all all on her own. So she packed up and she joined us. (laughs) Yeah, she lived in the basement of um, the house that we were in in Cranberry, and then she, on the... It was a large piece of land. She put um, uh, her own house on the other part of the land. Oh, well, that's neat. Yeah, it was. The kids had a little path going back and forth from one house oh. to the other when they were growing up. That was lovely. That's neat for the kids. Oh, boy, it was super. They just, yeah, they loved having grandma. And my mom's second husband was, um, oh, he was a pioneer in Powell River, uh, Bill Peebles. And he was just the best grandpa ever. Like, oh, he was wonderful. So it kind of worked in the same vein as, say, families emigrating from England to Canada in the same way that your family migrated from East Coast to West Coast, really. It kind of all works that way, right? One makes the trek or two make the trek and then the others kind of follow because because they miss families do right and you know that's i'm glad you brought that up because that's so interesting in the magazine we do a monthly column called i made the move and we've been doing it for i don't know six years or so now and when we started it i thought oh this is probably only going to last like six months or a year but this column is one of our most popular features in the magazine. We never have a shortage of people to feature in it because there's always new people moving to this community and their stories are so interesting. And one thing that I find lots and lots of times when I ask them the question, it's like, so, you know, why did you move here? Oh, you know, my sister moved here before or my, you know, we have family here and there was one person who had moved here after like there was like 11 other family members had moved here. Oh, holy cow. So that is one of the biggest reasons why people, you know, and 
end up moving here. I shouldn't say the biggest, but that's a, a, a big reason why people do. Just follow the leader. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, something about our families that we love. We want to be close to them. Go west, young man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is interesting what you were saying about the duck trollers, because, you know, following your social media or duck tollers tollers t-o-l yeah tollers yeah i want to say trollers because i'm Cause fishing. fishing yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i was wondering why you were so into them and then you know i saw the nova scotia connection and i was wondering if you had them when you were a kid how many different tollers have you had have i had i've had five i have the, the last two now i had the first one um when i was about eight years old and then you know another one we had sandy kizzy hunter which was hunter was my uh, son's dog and then jigs was the one i went to back two and a half years ago to get from yarmouth nova scotia and then zunga is my 15 month uh, or 15 week old puppy that i uh, purchased from uh, a breeder in surrey wow yeah so i was lucky enough to meet hunter yep and loved him what a sweet sweet dog I haven't been lucky enough to meet your two newest because COVID and pandemic and none of us are meeting anybody, it seems lately. But I'm looking forward to it because I love dogs and <laughs> and they are, man, they're sweet. Oh, they're fun. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're kind of my semi-retirement project. Uh, my children tease me that uh, <laughs> I love the dogs more than them. It's not quite true, but I do love the dogs. I always say that to my mom too. She's got lots of dogs and it's like, they took over my room as soon as I was out. <laughs> <laughs> she said, well, they don't talk back. <laughs> Absolutely. Fair enough. <laughs> I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about the name change for the magazine. Absolutely. And I'm not at this point really getting into covering political topics yet. And we don't so much in the magazine either, as you know. Right. But I was curious what prompted at that time, how it came about. How the name change came about. Yes. Okay, we changed the name of the magazine last summer, and I think it was a July issue was when we first changed the mag the name of it. We had been thinking about it for quite a while, and I just hadn't done anything. It was I wanted to make sure that when we had the 15th anniversary of Powell River Living, which was quite significant, that it was Powell River Living, because that's what the magazine had been launched as. And to be honest, I... <laughs> Had ordered material, dresses for all the ladies, and that was made out of uh, previous covers of Powell River Living magazine. So all the ladies had dresses, and Sean had a tie, and it. And I had ordered it like I mean, this had gone back like almost a year in the planning. So once that was all ordered and it was in the works, I didn't want to change the name of it until after. I had some use out of that. So we went through the um, 15th anniversary as Powell River Living. And then as, uh, you know, we were getting closer to the summer, we started to think, okay, when are we going to actually change the name of the magazine? It just seemed that July was a good time. So we did it at that point because it was the best of uh, Powell River, the contest that we run each year. So we decided to change the name to the best of Cathet because it, if we just called it the best of Powell River, it just limits it to the city. And really, it was the whole region. So, and the magazine is like, we served the entire region, the whole regional district and the city, you know, Texada Island, Savory, and so on. So we couldn't call ourselves Powell River much longer. So that's why. And it's no reflection on what's going on politically right now, because that was sort of we went with what 
the region had been called. And if they had called the region instead of Cathed, if it had been, you know, Cherry Brook, British Columbia, we would have been Cherry Brook living. Right. We just, you know, we have to. It's just what you need to do. Yeah, I agree. I was I was just curious what had prompted it at the time because I think it was sh- it was shortly after that or right around that when when it came up with the city about the city changing its name. And I've actually received some comments about my podcast because in all my promo material and in my intro and my outro, it's Cathet. Mm-hmm. And it's for the same reason. I'm talking about people, things, events, places in the Cathet area, not just Powell River. And uh, it's kind of disappointing how much people got their nose at a joint because of what I chose to call the area that's named Cathet. Well, <laughs> and you its didn't, name. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't pick the name. No. The regional district changed the name, what is it, about three years ago now. Yeah. So you have to kind of go with what it is. I mean, if I decided, if I got married and changed my name to Isabel Snow, I would hope that people would call me Isabel Snow if I had decided if I decided to adopt a different last name so right. you know it's not something you're doing but it's just that would be my choice that's the name so that's the name you call me right yeah it's too bad a name can be so divisive oh it is and you know it's a what's in a name but uh, it is it's and yeah I mean we don't need to divide this community. We need to work together, but we need to we need to respect each other. And as you know, there's lots going on when it comes around the name change right now, yes. and we're all hearing about it. And uh, there's a process, and I just hope that it's a fair process, and uh, that a decision has not already been made, and they're just uh, that lip service is just being done. Right. I, you know. And I, I hope people go into it with an open mind, learn learn the history, learn the whys, and and make an informed decision how they want to move forward and I hope we do that I'm, you know I hope we do that together so tell me about your passions tell you about my passions okay so well as you know I was I've always loved Toastmasters and public speaking and uh, I was involved in Toastmasters for 12 years and I um, went through all the uh, different tests and achieved my uh, distinguished Toastmasters uh, which was kind of the highest level that you can achieve in Toastmasters and and so I and I started a second Toastmasters club here and we had a really super strong Toastmasters community for a long time and it was oh it was amazing and as I told you earlier on I met, you know met some really wonderful people through Toastmasters and uh, listened as they shared their fascinating stories and uh, I learned a lot about this community and just stories and people that I I never would have come across had it not been for Toastmasters. And I also learned a lot of valuable skills. And I'm, I'm very, very sorry that we don't have an active club at this time, because I think that so many young people could benefit from it. Uh, when you look at how a lot of young people communicate these days, everything is really short, they're texting, they're missing out on the body language, on eye contact. And these are all skills that you learn through Toastmasters, because you're speaking, but you're also evaluating others, and you're giving feedback, and you're learning the art of debate, and just so many wonderful uh, things that you're you're not going to pick up otherwise. So Toastmasters has been one of my passions for a number of years. I'm not involved in it now. We don't have a club at this point, which is 
which is sad and unfortunate, but at uh, maybe somebody will start up another club. So that's one of them. I founded Women in Business two years after I launched the magazine. And that is going on strong these days. And it's it's even continued on. They've done really well through throughout the pandemic, which is amazing. There's a great leadership uh, in place with uh, women in business these days, different leadership. And I was very happy to hand over the reins to the next generation, because that kind of, in my mind, that speaks to a successful project or organization that you've created, one that doesn't die as soon as you leave it as when the leadership changes. Yeah, uh, so it's necessary. Absolutely. And yeah. they have they have different visions. They're doing some really wonderful things. And they're, I mean, I'm still involved. I'm in the background. I'm a resource, but I attend meetings. I went to their, they had their first live meeting last month, and I attended that. So I'm, I'm really pleased to see how that's flourishing. And that brings me back. I did have a little bit of Toastmasters training when I was in the Miss, it was Power of Our Youth Ambassador back when I did the pageant. But I vividly recall the very first meeting we were asked to stand up and speak about ourselves for two minutes. Mm-hmm. And I remember Leah Babcock was up before me and s- said some fabulous things. And I stood up and I said what Leah said. And I sat back down. I was just petrified. I couldn't. And by the end of it, we'd had training with with Toastmasters. I can remember the trainers. And by the end, I tied for first place in the speech competition. Wonderful. So yeah. it was every single meeting we had to practice impromptu questions. Because on pageant night, you got up there and you got that one impromptu question. And they get they threw all these deep questions at us. And, you know, you had to be quick on the draw and come up with something that sounded intelligent. And I I was so anxious pageant night about this question. And my question was, you grew up on your grandparents farm. What's your favorite animal and why? (laughs) I totally drew a blank. Because I was expecting this profound, deep question. I'd heard other people get all these difficult questions. And I got, what's your favorite animal? <laughs> and I still remember, it's a dog because they're loyal, they're lovable, and they'll never let you down. <laughs> and I felt so stupid. <laughs> but long story, back on track, I, I do completely understand the value of Toastmasters. And, and it doesn't matter, I think, how long you've had to speak in public Every time you do, you still have that feeling in the pit of your stomach when you have to go up and do that. I think it's probably people's number one fear is having to speak. They do say, yeah, public speaking, it totally is. Uh, One of the things about public speaking that I really enjoyed as well is there were competitions. Mm. And uh, so we would, there'd be competitions within the club and then the winners of those competitions would advance to the next level. And then there's like, you know, four or five different levels and you could really go on and then you'd, when you got better and you were evaluated by, you know, different people and you were around like really great speakers, it really pushed you at, to improve. And that was, yeah, it was just something. And you, and you met some really fabulous presenters and, you know, you heard some professionals and there was just, there was so many different um, facets of Toastmasters for the growth, you know, for public speaking as well as leadership skills. So I just, oh, yeah, it is a great organization. What is it you think was kind of the catalyst to the club dropping off? I I guess it's the same as it is with a lot of other clubs. There was the executive were getting older and new younger people didn't seem to be coming along in the numbers that they needed. So the the same executive were, you know, you'd have the same president, the same vice president, the same sergeant at arms, secretary, treasurer, and so on. 
And, you know, they would just get tired. They didn't want to do those jobs anymore. So it's, you know, something would come along and it's like, okay, I've done this job for five years. I'm not putting my name forward again. Sorry. And there were vacancies. And so that's kind of what's happened, I guess. That makes sense. And I find that with a lot of things locally in the community is there's a kind of a small group of people that step up, take things on and they get burnt out. They yes. get tired and they get tired of always being the ones responsible for happened to us on our dart team we didn't want to captain it anymore and the dart team folded so I, it's unfortunate i wish i wish more people would embrace you know as they say many hands make light work so i wish more people would embrace stepping up and and taking on new roles and new responsibilities to to keep things going and even clubs and organizations that were struggling before the pandemic i think you know the the pandemic was kind of the last straw for them because there have been some that have different organizations. The One of the Rotary Clubs folded during the pandemic and, mm. you know, it was struggling a bit before, but then the pandemic happened and they went online to virtual meetings and uh, and no longer. Some things just aren't some. the same when you can't, can't meet in person and have that connection. Absolutely, because the social part of it is so important, which is, as you know. Yes. <laughs> With what you're doing. So. What else floats your boat? What else? Well, I started a, uh, embarked on a new hobby last year, and that was showing dogs. So I've had the duck tollers, as you know. Um, Jig's the one that I went back to Nova Scotia and got. She was sort of the start of what I'm calling East-West Tollers. That's a registered name of my kennels because okay. she's from the east coast and zunga's from the west coast so i had never um, been to a dog show before i mean i'd watched some on tv so i didn't know anything about it so when i had jigs and i wanted to take her to dog shows i kind of looked around the community and uh bill runis's young daughter Paniota, she's uh, a very capable young lady and she has been showing probably since she was in diapers <laughs> <laughs> Her mom is, Shona, is just, you know, is crazy about dogs and uh, very capable. And so uh, we met and then Panayota showed Jigs all summer and Jigs got her championship. And then at the last show we went to in December, I ventured into the show ring and uh, because I would like to learn because I'm going to show Zunga this year. So I'm just sort of starting and uh, have done some online, uh, you know, courses and stuff and how to show dogs. And I'm going to a um, clinic in March in Cobble Hill. Well, March, that's this month, but later this month in Cobble Hill. And it's, you know, the owner handler, how to show your dog. Wow, congratulations. So, so that's what, uh, yeah, so I'm learning. That's kind of my semi-retirement uh, project and I'm going to breed jigs will get bred this summer in her next heat so I'll have a bunch of puppies so oh then you'll have your hands full yeah and then I will and I've been showing jigs also myself and rally obedience and I'm host we have a senior competitive ladies group and I'm hosting that at uh, my property this summer and so yeah I've just uh, kind of gone to the dogs these days <laughs> The crazy dog lady. <laughs> the crazy dog lady. Yeah, I turned sixty this year. So this year, this yeah, this this month actually. Oh. And uh, so that's kind of you know kind of figuring out what I want to do with my life and where I want to go for the next. I guess it could be my next one third because my parents are in their nineties, and if I'm lucky enough to follow in their footsteps. I've, maybe I'll have 30 years left. Yeah, and the dogs keep you active, and hey, yeah. they're loyal, they're lovable, and they'll never let <laughs> yeah, you down. So. Absolutely. <laughs> they don't talk back like the kids do, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, or the ducks. <laughs> yeah, the, oh, man, did the, the ducks talk back. Yeah, your ducks are very vocal. They are very vocal. <laughs> oh, yes. they're lovely. Sometimes they're just rude. <laughs> 
and they don't care. <laughs> no. But actually, they are pretty entertaining, and they will... They do a pretty good alert system if a cat's in the yard or, or something like, or, or somebody comes in the backyard right yeah. away. Wah, wah, wah. I noticed when so, I came in, yeah, I heard them. Well, it's interesting. People seem, there's a lot of people these days who love their chickens and they love their ducks. Yes. Pieta Woolley, who works for me, <laughs> she, her daughter uh, had to take a couple of their chickens to school for a project. So <laughs> anyhow, she has a hatchback vehicle and her chickens spent the afternoon and there's a big, you know, she had a tarp down and straw and food and water in the back of her car and her chickens were in the back of her car. And I said, are you, are you serious? Your chickens are back there? She goes, oh yeah, they're fine. The windows are open. They're happy. I love that so much. It's amazing how attached you can get. To, to a duck. To a duck. To a dog. Yes. To a cat. To a, a mouse. Yes. A gerbil. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yes. A sentient being. That's what they are. And I was never a bird person before myself. I've, I've had attachments to all sorts of animals growing up on, on a farm and that kind of thing. But I just didn't have that same intelligence, I think, connection to a duck. I didn't see that or any kind of bird. I, I just, for some reason, didn't connect with them. And then we got ducks. Uh, now, why did you get ducks? Does your mom have ducks? No. On her farm? No. We were going to get chickens because the city had right. just allowed poultry. And at the time, my son was playing a video game about racing ducks. And he decided that we should get ducks because he was going to race them. And I said to my husband, like, well, we could humor them. Let's, we'll get a couple chickens and one duck. And then I did some reading. We can't just get one duck. duck. So then we did some thinking and we said, well, you can eat duck eggs. We'll just get three female ducks and we'll eat the duck eggs. So that's what happened. We ended up with three ducks and Riley had it all planned out. He was going to move to Europe we were taking the ducks. We were going to go duck racing. <laughs> His parents were coming. His sister wasn't allowed. So she was going to have to go live with the grandparents because she couldn't come to Europe. But the rest of us were going to race ducks. And now I look after the ducks and he has nothing to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's isn't that always the way with pets? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I also like to hike. I mean, I'm every morning I walk for, well, my walks are shorter right now with the pup, but it's like a 15 20 minute little loop in in the town site and then I do um, bigger hikes on the weekends and before I had the pup and I will again when he gets older I mean I used to go for 45 minutes an hour in the morning and I, I just love to mosey through the trails it's a, for me it's the best way to start my day but I mean I'm, I'm up at six every day and I go to bed early it's yeah just my routine now but I didn't always do that when I had young children let me tell you no it was <laughs> you totally never not that. slept <laughs> oh you're just perpetually tired. Yes. When your kids are young. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of life changes. And I can do it now. I can get up and go with the dogs. And it's it's much easier. What do you miss the most from pre-pandemic? Oh, I miss coffee dates. I miss hanging out with my friends. I miss, you know, the spontaneity. I miss like seeing somebody, oh, I haven't seen you in ages. And the big hugs. Like, you know, it's like, oh, eh, elbow bump, fist bump. Oh, great. Yeah. You know, and it's like you're standing like six feet apart because you don't gather in the same way that you used to. We don't come together. We don't just go to events. I mean, let's face it, we we know we have to wear a mask, but when you have to wear reading glasses like mm. I do just to grocery shop to read the labels or the prices or whatever, or do a bank deposit, it's like, okay, so you stop, you like, you get your keys out, you have to have your keys with you, check your mask check your glasses check it's like i mean it's just i don't know it just seems like something else to 
to worry about and it just oh, there's it's just such a bother but i we do it because we have to right and you know to try to keep it keep us all safe right now but all the the extra layer that we things we have to go through and the spontaneity because we aren't coming together in the same way. I can't see my mom right now. She's in long-term care. I'm not her designated person. If I want to see mom, my brother has to spring her out of long-term care because he's the only person who can see her and take her to his house, which is a good half hour away. Then I come over on the ferry and then I can, you know, sit at her, sit and have a visit with her. And my mom might be good for an hour kind of at the most. Like she's 92 years old. Right. An hour, maybe an hour and a half. And then, you know, we have to take her back. And you'd probably have more time if you could just go see her where she is as opposed to that track. Oh, away. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of those visits would be way better. I mean, and sometimes we absolutely want to take her to my brother's house. But I mean, I could go see her if it was just me not having to depend on him to readjust his schedule too, because he's trying to visit her as much as possible. I know all those things will change eventually. And I'm just can't wait until they do because I miss my mom. Yeah, I'm with you there for sure. And I, it's funny, I was so on board with everything. As a matter of fact, I locked my family down before the government did in 2020. I saw, I saw it coming and yeah. thought that was the right thing to do. But honestly, I was thinking two weeks, three yeah. weeks, right? I wasn't thinking two years, three years. And at this point, I'm just done. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, we followed the rules. We've I'm triple vaxxed. We wear the masks. We... But man, I'm kind of ready to take my chances at this point. I just want to live life again and ah, the carefree days. <laughs> yeah. Hi, no Isabel. Kidding. Here's a hug. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I so miss that. Like, I mean, I was really lucky. Um, we had a, there was a bit of a window last fall and Alex and I, I took Alex back. My He's my um, youngest son. He's 22 now. We went back east for three weeks. So we flew back to Nova Scotia and... At that point, there was cases were super, super low back east. I mean, we were in bars without masks on. Wow. It was, yeah, it was wonderful. So, I mean, that kind of gave us a little bit of a break. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, okay, so we've, you know, recharged and we can go through the next part of it. So, and I think that there's been a lot of people who had, you know, found a window and were able to travel a little bit, who kind of had a little bit, bit of a break and it uh, helps kind of fortify them so they could get on with the next bit. Yeah, through the, the pandemic. Next, yes. Yeah. The next wave. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to spring. I'm hoping next week we're getting some news that maybe some more rules are getting relaxed a little bit, which in your case, I hope means something better for long-term care, because I just feel like we're taking away the possibility of suffering from some of our seniors, but then also enforcing imposed suffering because of that, because of those lost connections and it's absolutely a double-edged sword, but and I get it. I mean, you have to protect. It, it's just a fine line that public health is walking right now because if one person, you know, somebody else brings it into a facility and, you know, my mother contracts COVID and, and dies or something because of it, I, I mean, obviously I would be furious. You wouldn't be happy. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd be grieving and I'd be, yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to run marathons. I ran my first marathon on my 40th birthday you um, did not. Yeah, really? yeah. The year I turned, it wasn't actually the birthday, but it was the year I turned 40 with uh, actually a woman who just lives up the street from you, Karma Sacri. Oh, okay. So after um, I had my second child, I was quite overweight. <laughs> so 
it was like time to start working on that. And Carmen was in the same boat. So we started exercising and jogging and did a couple half marathons and then set our sights on a full marathon. So I ran about a dozen half marathons and um, two, two or three, I can't remember, full marathons. Wow. I wasn't a speed demon, Aaron. So don't say wow like that. <laughs> my best, still... my best time, my best marathon was four hours and 15 minutes. So and what kind of distance qualifies for a marathon? Isn't it like 42, like, kilometers it's like something horrible i'm going back to wow yeah no like, it was just like forever <laughs> oh, yeah. i mean i can't we're talking when i was 40 uh, i turned 60 this month so still yeah because i'm midway into my 40s there's no i can't even run around the block right now i'm, I'm looking at working on that because same thing yeah i'm, I'm feeling the i want to be around for those extra years so i need to do something about that but wow 40k Find a, an exercise partner. I used to run with Shannon Bean, who I know that uh, you interviewed not long ago. And uh, Shannon is just motivation, like coming out the yin-yang. And she doesn't even need anybody else to motivate her. But yeah, she was a great exercise partner for me. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really enjoyed uh, my conversation with Shannon as well. We had a lot of fun, I think. Oh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's great. Yeah, that's what I really like about this experience is it even, you know, you and I, we've known each other for a very, very long time. And yet mostly in a superficial way. Absolutely. We've never been able to sit down and just have kind of a deep conversation. And I do like this because for some reason, it's okay for me to ask people questions that I can't just walk down the street and ask people questions. And yet in this way, it's somewhat comfortable to do that. I'm not sure why, but it is. Because you feel like you're being nosy unless you have a purpose. That's, I mean, if I just walked up to you and said, you know, tell me all about um, the Kings player that you have staying with you. Uh, Tell me all about your ducks. Tell me all about, I don't know, your bookkeeping business, your husband, your kids. You'd think like, what does she want to know all that information (laughs) for? Like, is there something wrong with her? But if you're collecting information for, you know, a purpose, it's like, oh, okay, she's doing a story on me. Okay, that that makes sense. I get it now. That's fair enough. So, I don't know. But I really like it. I like You like being a nosy Parker. I do. (laughs) I like learning so much about my fellow people. Yeah. You know, I love hearing about Nova Scotian horses. Like, what was your horse's name? I had one called Hopeful Road. He was born on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Oh, neat. Yeah, and his actually his uh, stable name was Shane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was a really great horse. My first horse was Chargex, like the Chargex card. Okay. I had a horse named Silver when I was a kid. Oh, did you? Yeah. He stepped on me barefoot one time and Ooh. I had a perfect horseshoe shaped bruise on the top of my yeah. But I was lucky that my foot was on grass, so it it sunk, or I probably or had a broken foot. Broken foot, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that horse. Aww. He almost killed me a couple times, but I loved him. <laughs> well, it's funny when it comes to animals, horses, dogs, whatever. You always have a, like, you could have, like, ten dogs, but you'll have a heart dog. and yes. um, Or a heart horse. Like, Shane was my heart horse. He was my, you know, my best horse. And, yeah, we were great. We were just a really good team. And Hunter, the dog that we got for Matt... Um, we called him Hunter Pumpkin. He was my heart. He was my heart dog, and the reason why is at the time when we got him was when I was going through a really difficult divorce, and I remember um, 
I'd have the children all week and that like we'd be super, super busy. And then my ex-husband would be off and he'd come and get the kids. And then all of a sudden the house was quiet. Mm. I was on my own. I was not used to it. And I would, I cried like I was so lonely. It was awful. But then we had Hunter. So the kids would go with their dad, but Hunter would stay with me. So I had someone. Right. So, I mean, that's the void that I think the animals, you know, can fill. Like they're there for you. And so Hunter and I became very close, even though he was my oldest son's dog. Right. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. I know in, in difficult times in my own life, it's always been dogs. I guess that's why they were my, my favorite animal on the spot. But it was always dogs that helped comfort me or make me feel safe or same thing, that emotional support. They just look at you and you know. That connection, they get you. Yes. They're there. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I feel that so much. In a way that a duck can't quite be. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> much as you love your ducks. <laughs> and see, I've got my heart duck, which is blue. <laughs> yeah. She's my favorite of the four we've had, and she's still around. Yeah. Um, but she tolerates me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she'll run away until she knows I'm getting too close, and then she'll just give up and say, oh, fine, if you must. <laughs> pick me up. <laughs> and then she'll let me pet her. And then when I put her back down, she goes, oh, that disgusting human pet me. And she has to get right in the pool and wash me off. Oh, my goodness. Every single time. And I can just see it inside that tiny little, tiny little brain. She's going, oh, so disgusting. Stop touching me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you're funny. Well, one of the things for me that's been so fun about being part of this community, it's having a magazine. Because the magazine has allowed me to connect with people in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise connected with them. Uh, and what I really love about a magazine versus the newspaper, for instance, like I started my journey with daily newspapers, and there's a lot of hard news and tragedy and, you know, if it bleeds, it leads kind of mentality. Yeah. And which is great because some journalists and some people are, they do very well in that kind of environment. But I don't. I'm not one of those people. I don't like, you know, I, I, I don't like the gotcha kind of a journalism. That's not what I like. I like community building. I like to build something up. And I like to work together, which is what our magazine tries to do. And I say our because I have a really amazing team. And Cathet Living wouldn't be what it is without that team. Um People have been with us for a long time. You know, Sean has been with me since he started with the magazine two years after the magazine started. And uh, Sean is just the right-hand guy for everything. He can do everything. and He's just an absolute gem of a person. Uh, you know, you went to school with him, Aaron. Yep. Yeah, so you know Sean Percy quite well. Yeah, he's just a, a super fella. And uh, Sean and I met through the Powell River News. We both worked together at the old Powell River News, and then he took off to Hay River when the news folded, and I was working at the peak, and then when I started the magazine, you know, every now and then I'd fire him off an email and say, hey, how you doing, Percy, you know, what's happening, and we'd chat, and he said, oh, and one day he called me, and goes, yeah, I want to move back to Powell River after I'd started the magazine, he said, I'm going to come work for you. I said, Sean, I can't afford you, you got a family. He goes, don't worry, you'll be able to afford me, you know, mm -hmm. we'll make it work, and so he did. And wow. uh, yeah, no, it was great. So you got to so. help me with that because I'm trying to get Sean on the podcast. Sean says no, but Sean needs to get on the podcast. Sean's a busy, busy boy. He is a busy boy, but he's always behind the story. And I'd really love him 
to be part of the story just just one time all i can say is good luck with that i know actually how sean and i met was he was my photographer when i was in the youth ambassador pageant and that's how we met is the first time when he came out to photograph to 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 photograph me and uh, i was so nervous and i didn't have a clue what i was doing and just he was so patient and and came up with some amazing shots and ideas and we just had a friendship from there which has lasted till now it's not you know, we don't talk all the time and that kind of thing, but he's a really good guy. He is. Yeah, he's he's great. He's done some really cool stuff. He does. He's a he's a diver. Uh, yeah, no, he's a very interesting fellow. Yeah, I'd love to hear about all that, but that's for another time. Absolutely. I'll work on it. It'll be till the day I die, I'll be working on it. So yeah. be warned, Sean Percy. So yes. what's the best thing you like about interviewing people? Aaron, I'm, I'm curious, what have, what have you discovered? I really like getting to know people better. So getting to know you. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I really do. You know, I've I've learned lots about about you and there's a lot more I can learn. So hopefully we'll be able to go for coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd love to go for coffee and talk without microphones. And yeah, but I've been missing that I've been missing a lot of time in my last 12, 13 years because of other commitments. I've been missing connections on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And I imagine I'm not the only one. I my case is a little bit different, but I think for the majority of people, they've been missing that, especially the last two years. I think especially people that are new to the community, because they have no way to meet people. That's true. Young moms, a lot of those groups haven't been happening. All of the activities that people here normally do have not been happening. And so I was thinking, how do people meet other people when they move here right now? It would be very difficult. It would be. So I thought this would be a good venue to kind of help them do that. Yeah. It helps people like me that have been here my whole life mm-hmm. in the same format. So that's definitely my favorite. And I've learned some new words. Tell me. Uh, I learned Betty Crocker Stalker. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't know about that one. I learned that one from Shannon. And, oh, there was one Carol Ann threw out about kite surfing. Darn it. <laughs> I've learned it and forgotten it all in a day. But it was hilarious. <laughs> that's that's that over 30 brain. Uh, it must be. Sometimers <laughs> kicking in. <laughs> I do really appreciate you taking the time to come and spend it with me and, and open up and answer that's questions. Been fun. It's and been fun. Yeah, no, it's been very enjoyable. I've been, yeah, I've had fun doing this. I've really enjoyed it. So I hope we can get together, you know, another time. Maybe when I'm better at this too, we can do another run at it. But Absolutely. Whenever, yeah. That would be yeah. great. Yep, and in the meantime, I will uh, put the uh, bug in Sean's ear. Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks so much, Isabel. You're welcome, Erin. Have a good evening. (laughs) You too. A big thank you, Isabel, for taking the time to join me in studio for this interesting conversation. I'm truly enjoying these connections, and I hope listeners are as well. Please reach out if you are interested in being a guest. I'd sure love to have you on the show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Erin Reed. Thanks for listening to Coastal Currents with Erin Reed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about the podcast, visit www.coastalcurrents.ca or follow us on Facebook at Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. If you'd like to submit a topic or join the conversation as a guest, email Aaron at coastalcurrentswithaaron at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.